sometimes we we might not receive love in the way we want it, but it can be important to recognize it when it when it is offered, even though it comes up a lot of times in really unusual forms, mm -hmm. and it's not the forms that I want, but I can see that it is there. Welcome to episode 54 of The Recovery Show. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. In our book, How Al-Anon Works, in the discussion of step one, it says, we may never have the family of our dreams. Well, what is the family of your dreams? How does your family fall short of your dreams? What have you tried to do about it? How has recovery helped you to relate to your family, whether the family of origin, family of choice, or recovery family? Yes, today we're going to talk about the family of our dreams. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at the Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of the family of our dreams. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Maria. How are you doing today, Maria? I'm doing pretty good, enjoying the uh, little bit of time off over the holidays here. So. Yeah, and next to Maria is co-host Nick. How are you today, today Nick? And I'm doing really well. Looking forward to the uh, change in calendar year and the celebration that ensues there. Yes, and, and welcome back to the studio. Thank you. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, The Family of Our Dreams. Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. So we have a reading taken from the book Courage to Change, which is a daily reader for Al-Anon. This is from page 286. I forget what the date is. October 12th. All right. I needed my husband to get sober so that we could live happily ever after because I couldn't face the ugly disease that overshadowed every aspect of our relationship, and I couldn't face the emptiness I felt in my own life. It was so much nicer to think about a future of bliss, if only he'd change. In Al-Anon, I had to unlearn a lot of romantic nonsense in order to find a satisfying life in the here and now. When my husband and I separated, my fantasies crashed, but with the support of the program, I learned to look to myself for happiness and to my own real life for enrichment. Two years later, when my husband and I reunited, I had to unlearn a new illusion, this time about recovery. My idea of health was now based on living alone. I had to learn to find a balance between taking care of myself and being there for my partner. I had to learn to love again. Thank you, Nick. And uh, so I want to start out um, with that phrase, uh, the family of our dreams, and uh, ask uh, you, Maria, do you have a an, uh, an understanding of what that means, not necessarily what the family of your dreams is, but what is your understanding of what that phrase, the family of, your, of our dreams, means to you? Um, I guess I, I think of that phrase as meaning our ideal family, the family we wished we had, um, that, you know, obviously none of us do, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, just that, like, if you had it your own way, if, if we got to choose, which family would that be? Um, that's, so that's kind of my understanding of what that means. Nick, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I th and I think, because I think a lot of what I look at in recovery is the difference between 
illusion and illusions that I didn't even know I had. Um, and the reality that I, that I live. And I grew up in a, you know, with a child to a single mother and in the city. And I watched a lot of Brady Bunch. And I think the family of my dreams was very much, you know, living in a house in some suburban area with a lot of people around. And, uh, it's been interesting how that backstory has influenced, informed, bastardized, <laughs> stereotyped, um, my current family in so many ways. Really, really. And, you know, when I started thinking about this topic, I thought about my family of origin and the, um, shall we say, behaviors and ways of thinking that I learned there and the illusions that I had about that family when I was young and, and sort of how those illusions, some of them were broken as I got older. And then I thought about... You know, my current family, um, myself, my wife, my children, um, which I don't really have. What's a, what's a phrase for that? What's a, you know, I mean, there's sort of family of choice in a sense in that I chose my wife, at least. But I didn't <laughs> choose my children. Right. Um, I mean, nuclear family, maybe, but that one has other. I, I don't know. Anyway, um, and, and then I thought about the sort of the family of people that I have around me in recovery. Mm. So then I thought about how those, you know, my family, my recovery family also doesn't always live up to my dreams of, of what, you know, I feel like they should be because, <laughs> hey, they're also fallible human beings. And so there, there was a lot of, of room for, for, uh, for, um, you know, different aspects. And, and then I thought, well, what, what is my dream family? You know, what is, what is the family of my dreams? And that was harder for me to sort of envision, well, you know, what, what should it be? Um, you know, and, and I guess for my family of origin, I go back to when I was young and my father was the breadwinner. He went to work at, in the morning and he came home in the evening in a very regular schedule. And my mother was at home and, you know, we had, uh, good, we had family breakfast around the table before we all went off to school and work. And, and we had family dinner around the table wherever, you know, when my father got home and it was all very regular and, and, uh, you know, I'm sure that was really more of an illusion than a reality. Um, and it certainly turned out not to be how my family turned out as I started to have, you know, if I, I had my own family. And uh, uh, I don't know. You, you have thoughts on a family of your dreams there, Maria? Uh, yeah. Well, first to start off, I, I kind of kind of feel like even envisioning it is a little bit dangerous um, because, you know, it just uh, might serve to reinforce that my actual family isn't like that and, you know, maybe just create more expectation that I will then, you know, things in reality won't live up to. But anyway, I'll, I'm going to go for it anyway. Um, so I guess if I envision my family, uh, dream family of origin, um, it would be... It would be, um, you know, a family where everyone's very loving and caring and respectful and social and everyone has real strong ties to each other. If anyone's, you know, away, uh, they all really make sure to get together at certain times of year or whatever. And, um, you know, we'd, we'd have all this 
knowledge passed down from previous generations about what our old family was like, and it'd all be really happy, happy, and everybody would be real positive. There wouldn't be any complaining, and you know. So that's that's kind of, I guess, where where my mind goes with that. Yeah. How about you, Nick? Well, I, I mean, I can only I think about it in terms of what I. You know, I compared myself as a kid to everybody else, obviously. And, you know, they say mm-hmm. compare and despair. And so as an only child to a single mother, and we lived with my grandmother, just three women, you know, I really was attracted to big families and big groups of people. And so I think I would have said as a kid that my dream family would just be more people, uh-huh. you know, and I think more people to me, there's safety in numbers and that all of a sudden, not all the attention is on what I was doing or not doing right which, you know, there's a lot of criticism in, in my real family of origin. Uh, and I think I wanted a buffer in a lot of ways and more structure, you know, and more presence. But um, I, in a lot of ways, I have that with my extended family of origin. So all of my cousins, we're all very, very close, like siblings in a lot of ways. And so I, I have that, but they're not, you know, they just weren't around 24-7 when I was a kid. And, and then I grew up and I hear people complain about siblings and sibling issues. And I think, well, I, I dodged that bullet. So <laughs> it's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think that uh, really drives home that whatever we dream of the reality is going to be different from the dream. Right? Of course. Um, you know, it, it, I think it was a little more, a little clearer to me that my family of creation, if you will, um, was not, what I wanted it to be when I came into the program and before I came into the program that, uh, you know, we were not supposed to have alcoholism in the family. I mean, that was, that was pretty clear. Um, and the full, the full sentence or, or, or sentences from which the family of our dreams comes in the, in the reading, it says something like, uh, Al-Anon does not promise that every alcoholic will get sober or that sobriety will solve all our problems. We may never have the family of our dreams or win the love of those who have no love to give. And that was, um, you know, that was very um, prophetic for me that that when sobriety did come to our family, it didn't suddenly become the perfect family. Mm-hmm. Um, that we all had work to do, and and we had work to do partly to recover from the effects of the drinking. But for myself, and really, I can only speak for myself directly. I also had work to do that that came from things I had learned as a child or things that maybe were more innate in me. Um, and, uh, and so, and really, uh, that sentence always uh, strikes home to me every time I hear it. Um, so I think we've talked a little bit about how our real families fall short of our dreams. And, uh, I don't know if we have any, uh, you know, wonderful war stories we want to tell or if we want to move on here. No, I think, I mean, my, I was eight, 17 when my mom got sober and, and I would say sobriety brought more challenges to us in a lot of ways. And, but I also was growing up at that same time. So it's yeah. hard for me to know what I was conscious of as a kid and what I wasn't conscious of as a kid. Um, it didn't necessarily improve my relationship. Not that we have a bad relationship. We just have challenges and, you know, like a lot of parents and children do. Um, I would just add that then when I built my own family and I don't drink, I haven't had a drink in 20 years just because we drive around here a lot and I just don't need it. My husband doesn't drink and 
I thought that our absence of drinking would cut any kind of addiction um, or illness transfer to generations, and it just doesn't work that way. Um, so when my own son started getting sick when he was 14 and behaving outrageously differently than I had certainly expected, my vision that I didn't even know I had for him um, was. And I came back into Al-Anon in a, in a different way. Um, I would just say that those illusions were important for me to let go of, partly because to free my own children and to let them have the path that they need to have. And I, I don't know that I'm yet free of my mother's vision for myself. I think about that a lot and that programming is there a lot. And I really would like to give my children more freedom to define themselves on their terms. Um, and I hope that that's what's going to ultimately happen as we grow in recovery together. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Maria, do you have any? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess as far as a uh, family of origin falling short of my dreams, um, I mean, just a couple of things, you know, my mom is just very codependent and, um, you know, so there's, there's that, there's a lot of negativity and complaining and stuff that happens there. And then my dad is, I, you know, I'm not really sure exactly what it is. I suspect that like, maybe there's some sort of undiagnosed minor, you know, mental health, maybe somewhere on the autism spectrum, or maybe like just after that spectrum, somewhere real near the end of that, like maybe okay, maybe not quite okay. But, um, you know, in some ways it, it would sort of manifest itself in, um, just kind of inappropriate behavior. Um, some of which was sort of like wildly, horribly inappropriate. And some of it was just sort of like embarrassing or a little bit like not quite right or, you know, so, so there was a lot of just kind of why, why can't we just be, you know, normal and happy and, you know, like, yeah. like, I guess uh, all of, yeah, we, why can't we be the family of my dreams, you know? Um, normal yeah. and happy. I hear that compare and despair thing coming in there. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and then as far as like family of choice or current family, maybe, um, I guess with that, I sort of envision, um, I envision that to be like me, me and my husband and like maybe a couple of kids and we would, you know, all be really happy and, you know, we'd all enjoy spending time together on the same kinds of things and, um, you know, no one would be an alcoholic or have any other illness or other problems or whatever. And, you know, and, um, you know, the reality does, does fall short of that. Um, we've been, um, thinking about, you know, we've been trying to start a family and that, you know, hasn't quite been happening exactly. And so, you know, that kind of takes the whole phrase, we may never have the family of our dreams to a whole new different kind of meaning. Like, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, I had always originally thought of that phrase as meaning like our family members might not act the way we want them to. Um, but, you know, but, but it's, you know, can also yeah. mean we, there may not be any family here. Like, mm -hmm. you know, right. it, all of that, it, it's just kind of goes back to this powerlessness. Um, you know, like, I think even people outside the program understand that, you know, you can't choose your family. And so it's it's one of those classic uh, things where everyone understands the powerlessness. So, yeah. Yeah, and hadn't thought about that, that aspect of it. Yeah, that, 
two parents and 2.3 children and a dog <laughs> or a cat or whatever. White picket <laughs> fence, yeah. yeah. And a white picket fence and living in the suburbs, yeah. That's the, the American dream there, right? Um, yeah, so Diane wrote to us about um, the family of her dreams. She writes, the family of my dreams would be a place that felt physically and emotionally safe to walk into with some stability of structure and predictability. A place where each member's unique voice and gifts are honored, nurtured, and shared. A place with play and laughter. A place to be held tenderly. A place where mistakes, trials, losses, and tragedies are openly acknowledged and met with love, compassion, and support. A place where people work together constructively toward common goals. A place where each is acknowledged as one of God's kids, a work in progress with their own higher power to guide them. My family of choice is my Al-Anon family where I find much of the above. Thank you all for being part of it. Well, thank you, Diane. That is um, very thoughtful and way beyond anything I thought of writing. Yeah, I think I, think I want that family too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I have a lot of that family, I have to say. I mean, I don't, I don't know that any of us feel it when we're irritated with each other because living with people is just difficult in general. But Yeah, Ruth likes Diane's description too, Ruth's yeah. in the chat room. Um. Wow. So I guess what I think of when I think of, you know, I will never have, may never, may never have the family of my dreams. I think will is because my dreams always outstrip reality, right? Um, is okay. If that's true, then what? You know, what can I do to be happy with the family I've got or at least be okay with the family I've got? And, and what can I do? to make it a better family in some ways. Uh, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Not what can the other people in the family do, but what can I do? And, and I think, you know, I've found many ways in which Al-Anon has helped me with that. And, and I would say for me, the primary thing that helps me there is acceptance. Um, accepting the people in my family for who they are, for how they act, for how they don't act, <laughs> for the things that they say, the ways in which they say them, that maybe they're not what I would like to have, but that's that's what they are. And, and accepting that that's what they are, then I can make choices about how I interact with them, how much I bring them into my life or not, um, in what ways, and how I keep myself safe. And so, for example, um, I've talked about my mother before. Um, my mother is extremely codependent in, in certain ways. Uh, and in particular, she's always been this person who's not going to be happy until everybody around her is happy, that everybody has to be satisfied before she can relax. And, you know, that used to bug the heck out of me. It still bothers me a little, but I've come to understand that that's, that's who she is and that that's what she has to do. You know, she's 80 something now. She's not going to change, um, for the better anyway. Uh, wow. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I mean, you know, her health is going and her mental health is going. And so, um, I think that, um, I'm certain that some of those aspects of, of who she is that bother me are probably going to get exaggerated as 
um, as in particular as her memory goes, um, that she won't be able to remember what we decided to do. And so, and I'm already seeing some of this, we go through it again and again. And it just, I have to remind myself that, you know, she is, just as when I was living with an alcoholic, you know, she is ill. And the way in which she acts is affected by her illness. Um, and I can, I can have compassion rather than anger. Um, and I'm so glad that, you know, I have a decade of Al-Anon under my belt before this started happening because I don't know how I would be dealing with this without any recovery, without any of my recovery tools. So, Nick, how, how are you using or have you used some of your recovery tools in dealing with, let's say, some of the difficult people in your life, in your family? Well, I mean, I, my husband and I talk about this a lot, and we really try to live in the solution. So for me, living in the solution means, you know, modeling the behavior that I want to have, modeling the communications that I want to have. You know, if I... If something happens within our family unit, someone's behavior is it's irritating or annoying, you know, I'll react however I'm going to react. But if I react in a way that I think is not helpful or doesn't show the love that I have for the person, I'll say, listen, I'm tired, I'm grumpy, you know, I'm sorry that I spoke in that tone of voice, whatever. But I really pay attention and maybe sometimes too much attention on trying to model the kind of communication styles that I want certainly my children to learn. I mean, my kids are only 15 and 16, so they're still um, they're still learning from us a lot in our home under our roof. And that's really all I can do. And, and the most important thing for me in all of this is to learn to love and accept myself first. Mm. Because the less critical I am of myself, the less critical I am of everybody else around me, the less irritated I am with everybody else and what they are or are not doing depends on my peace of mind with what I am or am not doing and what I think I should or shouldn't be doing with my time and energy. And, you know, it's just, I am constantly reminded to keep the focus on myself in a, in a way that allows everybody else to have some space too. That's what I try to put my energy into these days. Hmm. Maria? Um, yeah. So, so yeah, um, this, this whole concept of we may never have the family of our dreams was that and uh, the the thing in the that I first heard in when I came into the program that the alcoholic alcoholics may never get sober. Um, those two things were kind of this like harsh like smack in the face. <laughs> wake up, here's reality. It's not yeah. going to be how you want. Like, um, and so you know that was hard to hear in the beginning, um, but but yeah, I think as as you said before, Spencer, um, acceptance just getting used to, well, this is how it is, so what am I going to do about it? Um, and then, you know, that leads me to, well, what are my, my Al-Anon tools um, that I've picked up that help me deal with all of this? And, um, you know, a lot of things. I, I mean, just recently over the uh, over the, the Christmas holidays, I had a lot of chance to practice a lot of my Al-Anon tools. <laughs> um, just... Yeah, and, and a lot of it is just about, you know, accepting people for who they are and not trying to not tr- trying to not expect anything else. Um which is is hard because I want something else, but you know, just accepting that like this is how it is and it's not going to be how I want. So I need to 
you know, as you said, Nick, focus on myself. What can I do about it? Well, I can try to provide for my own needs instead of waiting around for someone else to provide for me because they're mm -hmm. not going to. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it happens every year, you know, like I should know this by now. It's not going to happen, you know. So, so yeah, like just learning to provide for myself. What do I need in the situation? Make sure that I have that for myself and then I'm in a better state to interact with other people because I've already got what I need. You know, I've already got my basics basics covered. Um, and then the interacting with other people is just sort of like, can be like a fun bonus thing, but I don't need anything from them. I don't, I'm not, um, yeah, seeking something from outside of myself that's not coming. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, that's critical, this, um, when we're children, we sort of get everything or we feel like we should get everything, all our emotional needs met from our family, particularly when we're very young, we don't have a choice. And so we learn that, you know, mommy and daddy are going to take care of it. And then as we grow up, and for some of us that comes a lot earlier than others, uh, we realize that, that, you know, mommy and daddy aren't taking care of it. Uh, and certainly as we become adults, then they're not supposed to, but, but we still, I, I think I still, had this feeling that, you know, other people were there to fix things for me. Everything, every other people were there to make things right for me. Other people were there to make me happy. Um, and as long as, as long as I'm feeling that, um, I'm setting myself up. Mm -hmm. I'm totally setting myself up. When somebody disappoints me, it all falls apart. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we get, uh, we had another email from, from Ruth. Um, she titled it family of choice. And uh, she says, I was wondering what to say in regard to communication, which was going to be the topic this week until... So, for those of you who may be listening, Time Shifted, um, we're recording this a few days after Christmas. And so, I know I had family visiting me during Christmas, sounds like, um, you know, maybe, I don't know, you went and visited your family. Yeah, yeah, I went uh, and visited family. Mm -hmm. And so, family was very much on my mind, and and so I, I switched, the, switched the topic around. So... Uh, she says, in regard to family, I could say a lot, especially this day's uh, family as a topic. I haven't seen a huge part of my genetic family since a, for a while, but started to build a family of choice since my early 20s. I, since I feel part of the 12-step community, my family of choice becomes much larger, which makes me very happy. But also, since I've decided to limit my contact with many of my relatives, um, I try to have better relationships with my family of origin, my father, my mother, my brother. But it isn't uh, what I wish it would be. I try to accept it for what it is, and I'm thankful for what I have. Um, I have no offspring myself, because during that time I was engaged with an alcoholic who knew about his disease before I did, which prevented creating a family. I didn't force it in any way, because I think it wouldn't be fair to a child to be born into such a bad start, and I wasn't sure if I would be a good mother or even want to be one. So I'm one of these old blue socks aunts, an aunt of choice for the children of my friends, a sister for my friends, a sponsor and a sponsee. I spent Christmas Eve in my favorite church. They organized a feast meal for people who don't want to celebrate alone. And I went there with two 12-step friends. We shared the table with very different people, each with different poverties, people living on the street, old spinsters like me, immigrants and people from the church community. We had a nice meal some prayers, and a lot of songs. It was the best Christmas Eve I could remember because I could feel this very special spirit. Was this the Christmas Eve with the family of my dreams? 
I'm not sure I've ever had any good expectations, so again, my higher power gave me a present I would never have imagined. A big thank you for the last year to all the co-hosts and guest hosts, too. You belong to my family of choice, too. Grateful, Ruth. That's lovely. And Yeah, thank you, Ruth. And and I think that's what some of us have done, too, is we've, we've found... Um, we find I have you know many uh, sort of many different families depending what it is that I'm doing you know there's there's the family that I live with and and I do well my my kids don't live with me much anymore um, since they're one's graduated from college the other's almost graduated from college the uh, my son did not come home for Christmas this year that's new wow okay so did we have the Christmas of our dreams with the whole family gathered together well no we didn't. Did we have a good Christmas? Yes, we did. Um, you know, and we had a good Christmas despite um, the illness in the family that uh, um, we were able to enjoy what there was. And we set aside some expectations of what could be. Um, in the in the past, when my parents had come out for Christmas, we would often the day after Christmas, we'd go to an art museum or something um, as a family, um, maybe going to Detroit to the Detroit Institute of Arts or, or the, the, uh, in more recent years with uh, people being, uh, having mobility issues, uh, gone to the, uh, University of Michigan Art Museum, which is, is also a very nice museum and a lot closer and smaller <laughs> and so easier to get around. This year we didn't do that and that was okay. So hey, we've got a whole list of possible tools here that, that we might use with our family. Um, I don't know, Maria. Uh, how are you? How are you? Uh, you know, you, you said you spent Thanksgiving with your uh, with your family, and, and you talked about that a little. Um, which of these these tools really have helped you in uh, in dealing with your family of origin? Oh, all of them. Um, <laughs> I mean, got, this is mostly the list, list you here. gave me. So yes, this I, is. <laughs> yeah, this is this was like a list of off the top of my head. This is what comes to mind when I think of family of our dreams, and I was thinking like. Uh, boundaries, expectations, accepting others as they are. Um, anyway, this, this list kind of goes on and on. Um, but yeah, so, so for me, you know, starting off, like setting boundaries, um, helps me to, you know, if I'm going to go visit my family of origin, let's, let's keep it short and sweet. You know, mm -hmm. let's, let's make sure we have enough time to have a good time and then we don't outstay our welcome because then we'll run out of things to do and we'll start getting cranky and then, you know, People won't have as good of a time, and it's just, it's better to just kind of limit it and keep it to what it needs to be and not drag it out. Um, so, yeah, that's that's one thing. Um, yeah, trying to, I mean, expectations is another really big one for me. Um, I mean, I have heard the phrase in, in meetings over and over that uh, expectations are premeditated resentments. Mm -hmm. And I, I try to keep that in mind because I think pre, pre-program, I had a lot of expectations. Um, especially, I think especially at Christmas, um, this, a lot of these things really come up for me because, because it's this time of year and we're getting, you know, all these marketing messages and there's all these like happy <laughs> families in the commercials on TV and we're all supposed to be like happy, right? And like together, right? And like, um, you know, everything's supposed to be perfect and, and great. And so, you know, and so I'm like pushing to sort of force my real family into this mold and it just doesn't fit, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, so trying to like just not, 
just let go of those expectations, focus on my own things, like what am I doing, and let go of what everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and especially like, I don't know, I think I've, I've historically had this really codependent, uh, notion of gift giving. Like, like in my head, it was always like, well, if I really struggle to find like the perfect thing for you, then you're going to find the perfect thing for me and then I'll get what I need and then you'll get what you need and then you'll love me more because I got you what you needed. And, you know, so it's just this really warped thing. So I, I would tend to like, well, also like it brings up my people pleasing issues because like, I mean, to some extent you do want to please people. It's mm -hmm. Christmas. You want to give them presents. You want to give them something they'd enjoy and be nice and whatever, but, but not take it to like, a level where it's unhealthy, where I'm running around every spare minute of December because I have to look at every single store to find the absolute most perfect thing I could give somebody um, and spend all of my time doing extra activities like, oh my god, we gotta make the cookies! Oh my god, we have to like plan out this perfect meal and get all the ingredients and do it really in this really complex sort of way. Um, so, so just kind of tamping down expectations and recognizing that, like, whatever I'm doing, I gotta do that for me. I gotta do it because I wanna do it. I wanna give you this gift because it makes me happy to give you this gift, and not because I'm expecting anything in return. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you don't get anything in return because, you know, maybe somebody is busy with whatever and they didn't get as far as mailing a package this year, right. you know, in time. And, you know, I, I think in previous years, you know, before before Alan and before the program, like that kind of thing would have really just I would have felt devastated because it's like, here, I went all this effort to show you how much I care and then there's nothing in return. Mm -hmm. And now I can kind of see that like, you know what? People have different approaches to this whole Christmas thing. Some you know, I think I tend to care a little too much and other people don't really care much at all and you know, I just need to do what I'm doing for me and not worry about what anybody else is going to do mm -hmm. or not do. And then I can just enjoy it. Um, just realize, like, I think I used to always also think it was like this going to be this big life changing event. And if I got either just the right thing, like then you'd be a totally different person and life would be great. And and now I can just kind of look at it in more of a relaxed sort of way and go like, it's just a day. There's going to be some gifts that are just going to be some little fun things. And then we'll all go back to life as it always is. It's just going to be another day the next day. Mm -hmm. Like, and, um, you know, now that I can, now that I can look at it more in that sort of a light, I have a much better time. Um, because I can do the things that I'm doing because I'm enjoying it. Right. Um, and, and yeah, I don't get hung up on the disappointment so much. Um, so I feel like that's just, just really helpful. Um, so yeah, that's, trying to trying to keep expectations of others to a minimum like i don't know what anyone's going to do whatever you know i just need to worry about what i'm going to do that's that's been huge and also just accepting other people as they are like they're just you know sometimes people just aren't going to be what you want them to be and there's nothing i can do about that so you know i can beat my head against the wall because things aren't the way i want or i can just say well you know that's how it is. So given that fact, let's, you know, try to have a good time anyway. Nick, can you reflect on maybe how your current family is maybe not what you envisioned it to be, but also is maybe better than what you might have dreamed? Oh, yeah. No, my family is, I, my, when I say my family, I mean my husband and my children. And yes. Yeah, they're rock stars in my book. But um, 
it's funny because we're at a place right now where I think I'm starting to, you know, at 15 and 16, they're real people with real oh, yeah. opinions and real interests. And we've spent more time in the past couple of years getting to know them on their terms, um, which I think is just a natural shift in parenting. You go from telling your children what to do every, as they're really little and then starting to let them have input and let them make decisions and choices and things. And I think that shift in controlling um, and less controlling and asking more questions about what they would like to do and including them more has shifted my view of what we should or shouldn't be doing. And I guess I feel like we're at a place where I knew we would be here someday as a family. I think we're a really pretty close family. I think the past two years when my son was away in treatment centers and um, hospitals and, and different facilities was not part of what I envisioned. You know, it's not like you get on Facebook and say, hey, everybody, we're so excited. We're sending our boy away and we don't know when he's coming home. And, you know, we have no idea what this is going to look like. Isn't that great? That's just not the kind of thing. And you that don't was kind see of that the, on Facebook very no. often, no. And no. it was, and honestly, in some ways, I wish we did because it, it would be a little bit more realistic about what's really happening. I mean, I, you know, we all tend to put our, our best face forward and we had to look at that, you know, and what, and so now we're on the other side of a lot of that. Um, how interesting it is to think that we got here in a very different way than I had envisioned and we got here in the right way because now there's health and there's strength and there's skills. And if we had got here, if we'd come to these ages on the path that I thought we should have been on, I don't know that my children would be as strong as they are because, you know, the strength is in the struggle. And who am I to make life so easy that they don't suffer? I mean, steel gets stronger from tempering, right? And I think that there is a need to have some difficulty and some challenges and they had it very young and that's okay. Um, but I really wouldn't want it any other way at this point and I can't judge it any other way because we're, we're here now and it's, it's working. Everybody's working on themselves. And I think, did I answer your question? You did. Okay. You did. Um, uh, what you said there at the beginning, you know, that, that at the age of 15 and 16, you know, parenting should shift. Mm -hmm. um, there's that dangerous word in there, right? Should. Mm -hmm. uh, and because I certainly have seen families or individuals within families who don't successfully make that, that shift. Right. Um, I was, I was chatting with uh, a father recently whose daughter is about to turn 18 and go off to college. And he was talking about how, you know, he still waits up for her to come home and that he wants, when she's in college, he needs, she needs to tell him what she's doing, who she's doing it with. And, and I just kept my mouth shut. <laughs> you know? um, I mean, I'm not in his family. Um, yeah. I certainly have no right to take his inventory, but I thought, I just felt like he was, he was setting himself up for disappointment at least. Um, and, uh, and I see this that, that, you know, parents are not letting go of their children being who they think their children ought to be rather and, and, and not accepting their children for, for who they are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
I mean, I think I struggle with that a little bit. Sure. Um, but on the other hand, you know, I haven't had like huge challenges. Well, okay, some, <laughs> some mental illness, some acting out, some anger, some yeah. Okay, we've had a few challenges. <laughs> <laughs> Revisionist history. It's very Revisionist easy. History. To oh yeah, it's all been wonderful. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. This this last visit, um, my my parents and my sister came out for Christmas, and my sister and I had a couple of really great talks about stuff we had never talked about before. Um, I think partly because she started listening to the podcast, mm. and it, you know, she she called me recently and said. Wow, I'm really seeing a whole lot of stuff in me. <laughs> and I'm like, that, and she thought, and, and, you know, it's, and that sort of the common experience and the common feelings. And, and I was like, hmm, interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. So, um, thinking about the, the effect of non overt alcoholism through over the, through the generations, because, you know, we have no, direct knowledge of any alcoholism going back, although we do have a cousin and an uncle who are both alcoholics in recovery now, and you see it go through the male line like that, you kind of wonder, well, what about the grandfather? Mm -hmm. Um, Which, if he was alcoholic, he was very high function. Uh, But, uh, you know, and, and that would explain then the, you know, the codependent behavior in our mother. You know, she would be an adult child, mm-hmm. and and I think she exhibits some some ACOA symptoms, whether you know whether it came from alcoholism or not. But um, and so we were we were able to connect in a new way. And what am I? Fifty eight. She's fifty two or something. You know, how long did it take us to get to the point where we can actually have that open communication? Right. Um, and uh, so. Yeah, so I guess what I'm thinking about is okay. So my family is not maybe what I thought it was going to be when I started out to have a family. You know, we were going to have kids, and they were going to be you know we were going to be perfect parents, and our kids were going to be perfect children, and they were going to grow up and be smart, and you know go off and I don't know win the Nobel Prize or something. To, <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, you know that's not what happened, right? And and it, there were a lot of frustrations along the way, and we had this detour through alcoholism. And the sort of destabilizing effects of that on the family dynamic, um, I think, you know, I think my children are still recovering from that. But we also have found in recovery, you know, a new way of being a family and a new way of relating to each other. And that is, is I think, a lot healthier in that, you know, what you were saying, one of you was saying, I think it was you, Maria, about sort of we all, we want to, do the same things at the same time and mm-hmm. have the same interests in the same. And, you know, that's not true. <laughs> okay. And that's okay. So I can go listen to music in the evening, even though nobody else in the family is interested in doing that. that. And, and my daughter can go see the movies she wants to go see. Um, and my son can do whatever it is he does. Um, you know, and on Wednesday, which was Christmas, I went to a meeting because that's what I needed to do. And it was okay. 
I didn't have to say, is it okay if I go to a meeting tonight? Because, like, you know, you guys are driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness I didn't Probably have to say good, that. Probably yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I just said, I'm going to a meeting. And we need to have dinner done in time. And, you know, it was Christmas, so we were having dinner a little early anyway. Um, and there were about 20 people at this meeting, which normally has somewhere between 60 and 100. So that, you know, seemed like a pretty good turnout for a big holiday like that. And a couple of people from out of town, I needed a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was really interesting, you know, chatting with people beforehand. It's like, yeah, we had a really good day, you know, and then I needed to come to a meeting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure. Um, that we take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And in mm -hmm. taking care of ourselves, we inevitably also take care of the family because we're in a better place to be the person we need to be in relation to the other people in the family. Mm -hmm. And that's all I can do. That is really all I can do is to be the person that I need to be in order to be with the other people in my family um, in a way that doesn't cause us strife and whatever other things um, might happen. <laughs> um, it's who, you know, I need to be to deal with, again, you know, my mother's illness. Um, and and I, I see, you know, I see changes in other people. And I don't know if that's because of that, you know, because I'm changing or, or what, but, um, I'm, I'm reminded of, of, of a friend of mine who said, you know, I used to go to Thanksgiving dinner with the family and we'd always get in these big fights, uh, over politics or whatever. And one, one year I decided I just wasn't going to engage, that I did not need to get in the middle of the fight. And he said, you know, you know what? The fights didn't happen. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was a bigger part of it than he thought he was, apparently. Mm -hmm. And and I think I, I probably would do the same thing, that I would um, I would just provoke things because things weren't the way I wanted them to be. Mm -hmm. And when I don't do that, we'll get along better. Uh, so, I don't know. Um, any last thoughts on um, family? Um, yeah, I had a thought. Um, when you were talking, Spencer, about like uh, it doesn't all have to be the way you um, had envisioned it. Like it, it doesn't have to follow a script. It can be can be different. Um, it made me think about um, how sometimes we we might not receive love in the way we want it, mm -hmm. um, but it's can be important to recognize it when it when it is offered, even though it comes up a lot of times in really un. Uh, unusual forms mm -hmm. and it's not the forms that I want mm -hmm. and you know but I can see that it is there and it's 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 good you know so like I might not um you know there's something in I think the closing that that says you know keep an open mind and you will find help right. and it's one of those things I need to keep an open mind about because you know when I focus on what I want and how I'm not getting what I want like I'm missing what I do have um so for example you know I, from certain family members, like maybe, maybe there were no gifts, you know, right at that day, uh, you know, this time around, but, but maybe there were really long, interesting, fun phone calls instead. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, with another person, like maybe when we come to visit, there isn't really, uh, there's somehow much less socializing than I think should happen, th that is happening. Like, hi, we're here to visit. And then, you know, Somebody just goes off in the room by themselves for hours and hours. Like, 
what's, you know, it's odd and it's not what I think should be happening. Um, and so I think, you know, before the program, I used to think like, oh, well, you know, they're, they're not doing this, therefore they don't care. Um, and, and now I can see that they do care. They just show that care in a different mm-hmm. way. And, you know, maybe, so maybe there's no socializing and maybe, you know, we're trying to have, sit around on Christmas Eve and have cookies and, you know, be this like happy little family. And maybe somebody's going to freak out instead about where's my scissors, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. There's three or four other pairs of scissors right here, but where's my favorite pair of scissors? Someone moved them. The ones with the orange handle, where are they? It's like, okay. Um, all right. Like, so, so maybe it's not going to be, it's not going to look the way I want it to look, but then there are other things that show up later. Like, you know, that, same person who's freaking out about the scissors maybe wants to take us all out to the Chinese, the new Chinese buffet in town later. And like, that's, that's what they're comfortable with. That's how they express Mm -hmm. the care. And, um, and, and so when I can be open-minded and kind of see the good that is there, it makes me much less concerned about whatever isn't there. Because it doesn't matter if it comes up in, in my form or their form, you know, it's still there. So. Wow. Wow. That is so true. And actually Ruth echoes that um, she says, that's so true, Maria, that love comes in, in different ways and not necessarily like I want it to. And I would get, in the past, I have gotten, um, and, you know, probably could still happen, didn't happen this year, um, just sort of annoyed at the way in which certain people show that show their love for other people in the family. You know, like, well, that's crazy. What are you doing that for? Um, and recognizing that, that that's what they're able to do is really, really important. And, and, and also about the timing, you know, that we can't all show our feelings on a schedule, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Christmas morning, we're all supposed to get up and, you know, all be happy and loving and, and caring about each other. And well, who says that that, you know, four hours out of the year is the time when we're actually going to feel like doing that. Mm-hmm. or when somebody else is actually going to feel like doing that. But if I look at the totality of of how people interact with me throughout the year, I see that they do show their caring and loving nature, just maybe not when I want them to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's a really that's a really good reminder. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Nick, any last thoughts? Yeah, it just made me, all of that made me think of, uh, I spent time this year thinking about not taking anything personally. So even like if one of my children wanted to withdraw, you know, when I think we should all be together and be doing some activity together and one of them's like, I just want to go be by myself for an hour to not take it personally and not take it as a rejection or, and, and on the same coin, what is the story I'm telling myself about the situation, which is also really am I judging or not judging and and in, in what regard to what end. And uh, when I don't take things personally, I'm free to have the feelings that I have. The other person is free to have the feelings they have. And then we can get together when we're at our best selves, like you were saying, Maria, about those are the, those are the sweet moments. Figure out when to be your best self together and then separate. <laughs> Go away <Yeah. laughs> when you're done. Yeah. It's all good. And don't try to have too much together. Yeah, exactly. It's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to close with the uh, reminder from the reading we opened with because This is something I need to keep hearing. Recovery can involve as much unlearning as learning. My security cannot be based on learning the rules, because once I truly learn them, they change. With my higher powers help, I will find some security in being exactly where I am today. And I think that really fits with with what we were saying. Mm -hmm. Um, 
in this last little round. So, Maria, you want to introduce uh, our, 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 our song for the break? And after that, we'll continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. Um, sure. So uh, we're going to listen now to Ani DeFranco sing Angry Anymore. And this is a song um, about going back to a dysfunctional family of origin with a new understanding and compassion and a desire to break out of the old unhealthy patterns. songs on the album that really spoke to me and I had forgotten about it so thanks for reminding me Maria so we can put it in the in the show in this section of the podcast we talk about our lives in recovery about what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week Nick you want to start us off sure I was thinking about a meeting I went to Friday night and part of the topic was about black and white thinking and it made me think about how if I'm living in the solution, I can't be living in black and white. I can't be living in um, right or wrong, in extremes. It's all kind of in the middle and going with the flow and being present in a way that's respectful of everybody else. So, you know, we're spending a lot of time with the kids. Two weeks of vacation is a lot of time to be around <laughs> each other. And we don't have a lot of structure right now. And th- And that's Fine. It makes me nervous sometimes because I like a lot of structure. I'm a human doing instead of a human being. And I'm really have been putting more energy into trying to be a human being and let my children sleep late, which of course they all want to do. And, um, it's the idea of living in the solution and being comfortable with what is, is helping me not be stressed out about not having structure and not having to plan every minute and just trying to go with the flow. And when something is important saying, Hey, this is important. You know, I really need your participation in this. 
or support in this. And then we have less to argue about because I don't need everything from them all the time. And I think there was a time where I felt like I needed to have it all figured out for my children and for all of the plans. And um, I don't have to have it all figured out. And I, I can just be okay with going with the flow and enjoy, you know, when they're sleeping in late, I'm sitting there, you know, reading recovery material or something for fun or, you know, just chilling. So I'm living in the gray, living in the solution. Ruth in the in the chat room said, uh, I have to write this in a prominent place, living in the solution. Mm-hmm. That's such a good, useful remark, something I can always ask myself. Do yeah. I live in the solution? Awesome. Um, and then she comments, I didn't hear the dog today. Well, you, you did hear the dog because he just knocked something <laughs> off the shelf and it freaked him out. Um, and he's kind of seeking reassurance at the moment, so we're all petting him. Poor Jake. <laughs> yeah, Jake's in here with us. Um, Maria, reflect on your week. Yeah. um, So I knew that uh, I was going to be going back to to visit my family over Christmas. So I had in the week before I'd heard somebody share at a meeting that they were planning on loading up on meetings before visiting the family. (laughs) And I thought, oh, that sounds like a good idea. So, um, yeah. I so I went to a meeting on Sunday and the the tradition there is to do a uh to have the meeting about step 1 if there's a newcomer. And I think we had a newcomer and um it was it was a good reminder thinking about um powerlessness and 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 all of that. I think I when I first came into the program I was thinking the whole program it was all about how to deal with the alcoholic and you know I was really focused on that and um and and now I'm I'm starting to realize that I need to use all these recovery tools for everybody else too. Um, and so, you know, realizing that I need to detach from from things with my my family of origin also. Um, just letting just gotta let people be who they are and figure things out at their own pace or not or you know whatever. Um, I may not agree with what everybody's doing, but um, I need to just let that be. And so it was a good reminder, good reminder for that. Um, and then, uh, I did go, um, over the holidays and I think we already kind of shared a, a bunch about that. <laughs> Got to practice a lot of, uh, you know, powerlessness. And, uh, sometimes I feel like I have like this little Al Anon, like, person on my shoulder going, don't say it, don't say it, you know, like <laughs> the, the comments that are going through my head of like, well, you could just do this, or why don't you just do that, or what'd you do that for? You could, you, you know, like, don't say it, <laughs> don't say it, you know, so there was a lot of that happening, um, um, but, but, you know, it was also really nice, it was also really nice, and, and I, I think, you know, because of the tools of the program that I can put into place, like, I can have a lot better time. And so I, and I did have a good time and it was, it was, it was nice. And I was able to enjoy the niceness of it. Um, so yeah, so that was, um, the middle of the week. And then I also went to that same meeting that you went to Nick on mm-hmm. Friday and that was good. Um, I think we read out of the, the courage to change and there mm-hmm. was a reading that it was about like differences of opinion mm-hmm. or, you know, just letting other people see the world their way. Yep. And, um, something in there about, you know, one person might think the ocean looks green and another person says the ocean looks blue. And it doesn't really matter. You know, it's the same ocean. <laughs> you might have a different perspective on it, but, you know, it's okay that we don't see everything the same way. And, 
you know, sometimes, sometimes that can be a struggle for me. Like sometimes I think on occasion, that's one of those things that I just have to act as if about like, yeah. I really think you're wrong, but I will not. I will act as if I can understand your opinion or, you know, respect your right to have your opinion that's wrong. You know, <laughs> you know but I will, I'll, I'll refrain from actually saying it, right. you know, and that, that's kind of where I am with that right now. Um, Progress, no perfection. Yeah. And then also um, yesterday I went to an open AA meeting, speaker meeting, um, that I, I don't usually make it to, but, um, with the, you know, schedules are all a little different over the holidays. So it, it seemed like a, a good time to go. And so I made it to that, which was good. Hadn't been there in, in a while. So yeah. So it's been a good, um, it's been a good week. How about you, Spencer? How about me? Um, well, I took the week off work. So there I had lots of time to practice doing nothing to practice, not over scheduling myself. Um, Unfortunately, uh, there were some things happening at work that I had to get involved in. You know, there's some stuff that has to happen before the end of the year that um, I tried to to disconnect myself from, but but I did have to step in a couple times, although I could do it from home. So I didn't actually go into work. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually I'm very good about not having work when I'm on vacation, but it it just didn't happen this time. Um, My family came to visit and we talked about that. This this reading from from your meeting Friday night, which I didn't go to, man, I I, I need to hear this thing. Uh, I try to practice this attitude when my loved one and I discuss anything, even TV. We often perceive a TV show so differently that it's hard to believe we've been watching the same station. Mm-hmm. I used to take these disagreements personally. One of us had to be wrong, and my position had to be accepted. And that... That's been uh, something that that I have to practice a lot because my wife and I often have different views about how things work, about what a particular thing means. And as it says in the reading, we might both be right because it's it's a matter of opinion. And actually, I think um, Ruth said something about that earlier. It helps a lot to look at the things my father says as an opinion. And and that's that's so true that... uh, we don't have to all agree. I think I've said that before. Um, so I, I got to practice my program a lot around my family this week. And uh, I went, uh, well, Wednesday night, as I said, I went to a meeting. Um, I was actually asked to do the lead there. And I talked about family, sort of getting myself prepared for, for today, you know. And I went to a meeting Saturday morning, which is a step meeting. We were on step two. And it was, it's always... It's interesting and inspiring to hear the different ways in which people in the program come to an understanding of higher power or how they're still working on coming to an understanding of higher power. Because, you know, sometimes people came in with a very strong notion of of God and then realized that the God that they had in their head was not one that was going to help restore them to sanity. Um, Some people like me came in with no God notion at all no higher power at all, and and had to struggle our way into one, um, which is no longer a struggle for me. But um, So it's, it was a good step to, to come to uh, shortly after Christmas to remind myself that, that I'm not in charge of the world and that I don't have to do it all on my own because, you know, I think I get this, um, I get this reaction around 
um, my mother in particular, where she's struggling with her mobility, she's struggling with her memory, and and it's coming out of fear, and it's coming out of, I can't fix this, and I need to be reminded that maybe it's not my job to fix it. Maybe it's just my job to be there with her when 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 she's with me. And, yeah, so learning that. We did have a nice Christmas. It was very low-key. Um, we didn't have to get up early because there's no young children in the family. And, uh, you know, we just kind of exchanged gifts and and then sort of hung around and we ate dinner and it was all great. So, um, that's my week. So next week on the podcast, I, I thought we'd talk about uh, Tradition 1. We went through the steps this year. Maybe we'll go through the traditions next year. At least we can start out. Uh, tradition 1 says, Our common welfare should come first. Personal progress for the greatest number depends upon unity. And I always think about, you know, the traditions are written in terms of this is how we keep our meetings healthy. This is how we keep the program healthy. But I also always try to look at how can I apply this tradition in my personal life? And so uh, we'll be talking about that next week. If you have uh, some experience, strength, and hope to share, or, wow, I never really understood how we could be like, um, you know, our common welfare coming first when it's a program about me. It's a program for me to recover. I mean, how uh, you know, how does that work? Or whatever questions you might have, uh, let us know so that uh, we can try to address them next week. And Maria, how can people send us feedback? Well, you can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your question about today's topic of the family of our dreams or next week's topic of Tradition One. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. i got to say, Ruth's excited that we're going to talk about traditions. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she says traditions with like two or three exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, Nick, uh, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? Well, our website, therecoveryshow.com, has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, a blog with periodic meditations, and links to the music we play. We've also got some links to other recovery podcasts and website sites that we like. There are many ways to contribute to the content of the podcast and the website. You can leave comments on the blog or take a look at our suggested topic list. If you see a topic you'd like covered, leave a comment there to vote it up. If you don't see the topic you're interested in, let us know and we'll get right on it. Um, if you're inspired or ambitious, also think about contributing a guest meditation or a meditation prompt, like a quote or a song lyric. And if you'd like the meditations emailed to you daily, click on the email button at the top right corner of the page to sign up. Just hop on over to therecoveryshow.com and enter the conversation there. If you'd really like to join the conversation literally, consider being a guest host by phone, Skype, or Google Hangout. Email feedback at therecoveryshow.com if you're interested. Spencer, do we have any voicemails, emails, or comments this week? Um, we've got a little bit. It's been a, a quiet week, but we're going to take a little break here. Um, of the song Our House by the group Madness. And uh, this is um, it's a very fun little song. Um, here's a, and, it, and it's about a family where there's a lot of stuff going on, and some of it sounds like you know it's good, and some of it sounds like it's kind of chaotic. And a little lyric here, our house, it has a crowd, there's always something happening, 
and it's usually quite loud. You know, it's been a quiet here, week here at the Recovery Show. I think we got one email. Uh, you uh, want to read that? Sure. So Val emailed to say, Hi, Spencer. Had a horrible week because of the stress that only Christmas, addictions, and a really bad dose of winter flu can bring. Ooh. Um, but listened to episode 53 today and wanted you to know how much just listening to the podcast makes me feel connected to others with the same things going on in their lives and that God is truly in control. Thanks, dear friend. Have a good week. Regards, Val. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it's very sweet. Thank you, Val. I don't think we got any uh, new iTunes reviews this week, uh, but uh, reviews and ratings in iTunes help us make it easier for people in need to find us um, when they're seeking recovery. And uh, so we encourage you to go over and, and uh, you know, give us five stars if you think we deserve it. Um, we've got uh, one one-star rating. And the rest <laughs> of them are five. So I figure we're doing pretty well. <laughs> you can listen live as we're recording. Um, just click the Listen Live link at the top of the page, and while listening, you can interact with us and other listeners in the chat room. To get to the chat room, you can click on the little speech bubble at the bottom edge of the player. We're planning to record our next episode probably Sunday afternoon, January 5th, 2014, next year. Woo! Or maybe this year by the time you're listening. Who knows? Over the last couple of weeks, uh, we have experienced what can only be described as an attack by spammers who are attempting to post advertising comments on our website and the comments don't get through, but they have really slowed the website down a lot. And it actually got bad enough that uh, my service provider turned us off for a couple of days, right around Christmas, of course. And so uh, they've turned us back on, but they also sent me a notice that I need to upgrade to a more powerful server in order to handle um, this load that I didn't ask for. But uh, we're also getting, you know, we're getting more popular, and that's good. And so... Um, I view this as a, as an evolution. Um, unfortunately, the upgrade is going to um, cost us some more uh, per month, but um, you know we're there for you. So, uh, on that note, it doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show. I mean, aside from like getting a smartphone or a computer and all that stuff, but um, we do have expenses, and they're running now about sixty dollars a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. First, we have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly. And I want to thank people, who, the, those of you who've done that in the past because it really does help and it really goes directly to so, um, paying the expenses uh, of, of uh, producing this show. 
We've also put together a list of recovery-related books that you can order through the website, and we'll get a little commission from Amazon if you order them. You click on the books link at the top of the page, and uh, if you have book suggestions, also um, be happy to receive those. But in any case, uh, thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening. And tell your friends. Hey, tell your friends. Um, we are here for you. Uh, Nick, what's our closing song? We are going to close the show today with We Are Family by Sister Sledge, which is such a great celebration of living in the solution and you know loving each other and trying to take what, the best of what life has to offer. Thank you for listening. Please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time. Just let me stay for the record